Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Monday. I love Mondays. Yeah, that's a great day. I can't, you know, everybody says, oh, gosh, I can't, uh, Monday, Monday. I love Mondays. But one of the reasons that I love Mondays is because Monday is my Sunday. Monday is my Sabbath. Monday is the day that I take off and rest. And so I love to do that. I love to, I love to take a day off. And, and of course, you know, there's little errands and stuff like that that you do. And, but you just cease from labor and just relax. That's something that we struggle with. Because we live such fast-paced lives. I'll never forget my father uh, said to me that once he, once he retired, he says, once I retired... I was exhausted. And I said, Dad, why are you exhausted after you're, after you're retired? He says, because I no longer work. And if you don't work, then you can never take time to rest. That was a joke. That's a dad joke in my house. Right, Dad. Okay, you don't... You, but as we, as we talk about rest, and if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And... By the way, whose idea was it that I preached through the book of Hebrews? Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, <laughs> what a great book. What a challenging book for us. Uh, but we've talked about uh, 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 this idea of rest and resting in the Lord. And, uh, and, and last week, we looked at the, uh, the nation of Israel and the wilderness and uh, God's frustration with them that, uh, that they would not enter into his rest because of disobedience and they had to wander for, uh, for 40 years. And, uh, and then we're going to talk more about rest in the, in, the, uh, 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 in the fourth chapter as well. Uh, and I want, you to, I want you to hear this uh, because I got to tell you, I, I don't know if you've read the fourth chapter of Hebrews lately, um, but on a first reading, it's, uh, it's about as clear as mud. Um, but it starts off, the, fourth, the first word in the fourth chapter is therefore. And whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you got to ask, what's it there for? I mean, it's, we, we, as, we, as we look at the book of Hebrews, it is so important that we recognize that the author is building an argument uh, setting forth in chapter 1, reiterating in chapter 2, in chapter 3, talking about the sufficiency of Christ, uh, that, 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 that Jesus Christ, uh, fully God, fully human, uh, uh, is greater than the, than the angels, greater than Moses, is the greatest of all time, and how important it is for us to focus our attention on who Jesus is and what he has done as the foundation for our theology so that we don't drift. And we are in a culture today and the currents of culture are so powerful and they are pulling us away from the teachings of God. And if we are not focused on who Jesus is, we will find ourselves drifting along with the, uh, uh, with the current of current culture today. And, and trust me, that is not a place where we want to be. Not only is Jesus greater than the angels, he's greater than Moses. And uh, we looked at that whole uh, section last week of 
of Moses uh, uh, leading uh, the nation of, uh, of Israel out of slavery and into the promised land. Uh, and I love that idea, and I, I'm going to come back to this, so I want to read it again for you in the third chapter. Therefore, it starts off with a therefore again, we're building, we're building, we're building. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest whom we confess. And we talked about the difference last week between a calling and a call. And we all have the same calling. Our calling is to honor and glorify God in everything that we do. Our call is as individual as the spiritual gifts that we have been given. Not the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. Hands, arms, legs, ears, eyes, different gifts that make up the body. And some of us are gifted uh, in, in areas of management. Some are gifted in, in areas of medicine. Some are gifted in, in ministries of, uh, in, in, in ministry, hospitality, generosity. So it goes on and on and on. We have different gifts, uh, but one Lord. And we're going to come back to that uh, uh, in a minute as well. And, and, and you'll remember last week, uh, I, I focused in on verse 13. Encourage one another daily, as long as, as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The importance of being in the moment is so crucial for us as believers. Yesterday, uh, yesterday is history. Uh, tomorrow's a mystery. What we have is right now, this moment. And, and faith and hope, uh, hope is in the future, faith is in the past. They collide in the present moment, and the present moment is where we love. Faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So you, this is all review. You all remember this from last week, right? Everybody's, every, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same page. Uh, but he also uh, said there at the end of that third chapter uh, that the nation of Israel coming, coming out of slavery were not able to enter into God's rest because of their unbelief. Now we pick it up on the fourth, in the fourth uh, chapter. Listen to this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest... Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, 
when a long time later he spoke through David. As was said before, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall uh, by following their example of disobedience. For the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Crystal clear, right? You know, as I've wrestled with this passage through the week, and, uh, and it just, you know, on, on first glance, second glance, third glance, it just seems to be all over the map. Uh, and, I mean, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're back in, in, in creation, and, uh, you know, and at, on the seventh day, God rested, and we're, uh, and we're uh, you know, given the, at the foot of the mountain uh, where the Israelites are given the Ten Commandments and the Fourth Commandment, which Wes read for us this morning, uh, remember the Sabbath and, uh, and keep it holy. Uh, but, then, but then we're talking about uh, their, the, the, the promised land and the Israelites going into the promised land, but not, they didn't make it. Why? Because of their disobedience. And so uh, for 40 years, they wandered in the, they wandered in the wilderness until that, uh, until that generation passed away. And, uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then, we've got, uh, then we've got Joshua, uh, in there, and, but, then, but then he goes on and he's talking about David and, and, and David uh, talking about the importance of, of the day and, uh, and, and then all of a sudden we get this, this, this little bullet point uh, about the importance of God's word. How, I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we un, untangle all of that and make, uh, and make some sense out of it? As I was, as I was thinking about what it means for us to enter into God's rest, I thought, well, before that, we really need to understand uh, about God's work. And we need to understand not only what God's work is, but what our work is. Like my dad said, if you're not working anymore, you can't stop and rest. So rest implies that we are working. So what kind of work did God do in the beginning? Creative work. He created the universe. He created everything. And now Jesus sustains all of that by the power of his word. We got that in chapter 1 as well. So after, seven days of crea- after six days of creation, on the seventh day, God rested. What did he do on the eighth day? It tells us that the work of creation was finished. But what did God do in those seven days in his relationship with us? He handed over stewardship of creation to us. 
And so where God's work is finished, our work begins. And that work is through stewardship of the earth and of one another. Taking care of creation. Exercising the gifts that God has given to us. That is our call. But there is another kind of work that we are given, and that was given to the Israelites, and that was the work of obedience. The work of obedience. Let's, let's kind of go through this uh, uh, step by step here. I think that uh, hopefully with that as a little bit of background, you'll be able to follow me as we unpack this, uh, starting with verse, with verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. All right, now we talk about rest. We talk about the work, but now we're going to talk about rest. There's two kinds of rest just like there's two kinds of work. One of the rests is very, very practical. And, and, and that's my Monday. And I hope you have a Monday. Maybe Sunday's your Monday, my dad. What are you going to do if you get to heaven and find out that God's Sabbath is Thursday? <laughs> I think, I think as, the point is you take one day. You take one day and you cease from your labors. The fourth commandment is still important for us today to recognize that we need to play a little bit. And you know, it was Judaism that introduced the six-day work week. Well, now for, for many of you, that's been taken another uh, step uh, further, and you, you have a five-day work week. If you're, if, you're, if you're living over in Europe, it's a four-day work week. I mean, it's like... And, and why is that? Because we want more and more leisure time. Do you remember, you probably, some of you will remember, uh, when I was a kid, the, 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 the promise of, of, uh, of robotics and, and, uh, and automation uh, was that we were going to have machines do all the work and all we were going to do is just sit around and relax and to play and not have any meaningful work to do. Do you recognize that that is contrary to God's word? that we were actually created for meaningful work. But prior to Judaism, people worked. That's what they did. They got up in the morning when the sun rose, and they went to work, and they worked until the sun went down. And the next day, they did the same thing. And the day after that, they did the same thing. Judaism introduces this idea of taking one and seven off, and the rest of the world said, you're lazy. In fact, when, when Moses comes to Egypt and says, let my people go so that we can go out and take a day to worship, that's what, that's what Pharaoh said. You guys are lazy. I'm going to make your work harder. The importance for us to take a day off is so valuable. And I hope that you take that seriously. I hope that you take it seriously. We need to rest. But in the context of this passage, they were promised a rest of entering into the promised land. Going into the promised land was the place of their rest. That's where, that's where God was going to care for them within his covenant. When we talk about entering into the promised land today, we have a whole different idea of what that means. And some people uh, uh, jump uh, to, the, to, the, to the end of life 
And, and, and ultimately, what is the promised land for believers today? Heaven. Heaven. We all want to get to heaven. When I get to heaven, going to walk with Jesus. You know, we want to go to heaven. And, and, and that's the promised land beyond the Jordan. Uh, when, 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 when we can uh, and w- we put all this nonsense behind us. And certainly, there is an aspect of that that is true for us. We want to be in the promised land. We want uh, to, to, to be rid of, of the brokenness in this world and, and have Jesus return and restore everything, finish the work uh, of, of restoration that, uh, that he began on the cross when he said it is finished. The work of redemption. We have creation. We have fall. We have redemption and we have restoration. When Jesus died on the cross, redemption was finished. So we now have the promise of entering into God's rest. Entering into the promised land. But just like there are different kinds of rest, and certainly that's the ultimate. Uh, and a lot of the Navy guys that I know, uh, they say, rest, you rest when you're dead. You know, life is to, got, got to press forward here. Uh, too much to do, too much to do, you can't rest. Rest when you're dead. Yeah, and certainly, and we even, there's a little saying, you know, R.I.P., you know, rest in peace. Uh, and that is certainly the, the ultimate rest. But I, I think that there's more. If we, if we dig around in here a little bit, there's more to that. Uh, we have the promise of entering his rest. It still stands. So let us be careful not to have been found, to fallen short of it. We also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Well, that kind of threw me for a loop when I, when I read it. We're talking about the nation of Israel. What gospel did they have uh, preached to them? When we think of the gospel, today we think of the completed work of Jesus Christ. But we need to remember that the word gospel means good news. And they had good news preached to them. And the good news for them was that through obedience, they would enter the promised land. Through obedience, they would enter into God's rest. It was covenantal. It was covenantal. So for, 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 the, for the Israelites, there's two kinds of work. There's the call, their vocation, what we do to make a living, but there's also a calling, and that is to honor God through their obedience. So just stick that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that in just a minute. The gospel preached to us just as they did to them, the good news, but the message they heard of was no value to them uh, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Okay, step at a time. Let's step our way into this. It was of no value to them because they did not combine their faith. They did not combine it with faith, which is action, which is obedience. And, and for, the, for the Israelites, obedience and faith and entering into God's rest, into the promised land, was contractual. There was a contract 
that was established between God and the Israelites. And you're reading through the Bible in a year. Some of you, are, you're doing that. Right now, you're into Leviticus. Hang in there. Keep going. Uh, but, oh, you're, you're Deuteronomy? You're, yeah, you always were an overachiever. Uh, uh, good for you. But as I was, as I was finishing up the book of, Exodus, or the book of Leviticus, uh, read the, 20, uh, the 26th chapter. Go home and read it. I mean, it's pretty brutal. Uh, well, it's full of promise. Uh, the first part of it is their reward for obedience and their punishment for disobedience. So the rest that they were promised was to be in God's presence, but the way to gain that rest was through their obedience. And it was through disobedience that they were prevented from entering into the promised land. They were prevented from entering into God's rest. Now, we who have, have believed, we enter that rest, just as God said, so I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now, you read that and you go, well, wait, 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 what, what, what's going on there? Let me ask you this. If you're, as you're reading that, are you reading it as a declaration or are you reading it as a lament? And I think it's a lament. I think God is angry and he is frustrated. This stiff-necked people, if only they would obey the contract that they said they would obey when we entered into this at the foot of the mountain, they would enter into my rest. But as it is, I see their disobedience and I'm angry and I'm frustrated because if they keep on this track, they will never enter my rest. When you look at it that way, it's a little bit different. I think it's a lament. I think God is lamenting that because of their disobedience, their stiff-neckedness, that, that, that they will never know the rest that God wants them to have. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. Whose work? God's work. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on that seventh day, God rested from his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. God is finished with his part. On the seventh day, he rested. But we have to do our part. And that is our call and our calling. We take a rest from our call. But there is no Sabbath rest from our calling. We take a rest one day in seven as we labor, as we are stewards of God's creation. But our calling to honor God, to glorify Him through obedience, there is no Sabbath rest from that calling. His work has been finished since the creation of the world, for somewhere it is spoken the seventh day uh, these words, and on that seventh day God rested from his work. And again, the passage above, they shall never enter my rest. Why? Because of their disobedience. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them uh, did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, uh, uh, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
God is still speaking to us today. God still desires obedience. God still desires faithfulness. God still desires for us to exercise our calling in the midst of our call. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken uh, later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. How, How fascinating and how carefully the author of Hebrews lays out the argument. For the Jewish people, remember, these are the audience for, for uh, the book of Hebrews were primarily Jewish background believers. And the prevailing thought of the day was the reason why they were under Roman authority and why the Messiah had not come back is because of their disobedience. Theirs was a works righteousness theology. They had to work at it. And indeed, that was the contract that was given to them at the foot of the mountain. You do this, I'll do that. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later of another day. And and now we're off to David. So there still remains this Sabbath rest for God's people. But do uh, do you know what Joshua's name would be if it was translated from Hebrew into Greek? Jesus Jesus in Greek is Yeshua in Hebrew, Joshua. And so the, the, the author here is directly making a tie between the rest that Joshua offered versus the rest that Jesus offered them. And remember, they, that's what they're, 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 they're being tempted to fall away from the grace that God offers through Jesus and to go back into this works righteousness environment where everything depends upon them rather than depending upon the work that God has done. But there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God For anyone who enters rest, God's rest, also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. And here's where I think this is just brilliant, brilliant. We cease from our work of trying to earn God's salvation. That's what the Jews were doing. And even to this day, it is a works righteousness relationship. If I do this, God, you're going to do that. You know, the problem with that is that we can never do, we can never hold up our end of the bargain. We can't do it. And that's the lesson from the Old Testament. God sets up this expectation. God sets up this, 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 this morality, uh, 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 a way to live our lives. And we can't do it. G.K. Chesterton made the comment that uh, uh, Christian ideals have not been tried and found lacking. They've been found difficult and left untried. It's hard. And you know why it's hard? Because of our pride, we want to do it. And we don't want anybody to tell us that we can't do it. But when it comes to the, to the place where the only way that we could earn our salvation is by being absolutely perfect, we're going to fall down every time. That's the gift that we have in Christ. 
when he appeared, John the baptizer said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We rest from the labor of trying to earn our salvation with God. We give that one up. It's done. But there remains in that rest a work of obedience that defines our calling. And there is no Sabbath rest from faithful obedience. And that is so hard for us to wrap our minds around because we, we think and we justify the things that we do in our lives that are contrary to God's word and think that, well, you know, we'll have a special dispensation here. I can, you know, I've been a good boy for the last uh, 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 six weeks or whatever it is. I can take a break and kind of go off the rails here a little bit. The problem, the problem is the damage that's done when we go off the rails. And so, well, you know, my sin isn't hurting anybody, isn't it? Isn't it? Sin is destructive. And it is deceitful. And it will harden our hearts. And, you know, the, the, as a, I remember as a new believer, last thing I wanted to do was sin because I was just, you know, afraid that God was going to zap me. Uh, and, and, but I did. I fell. And you know what? The lightning didn't come out of the skies and strike me dead. So I just kind of wrestled with that for a while and then thought, well, you know, maybe God did give me a pass. Uh, uh, so then I sin again and you know the second time was easier than the first time and again I didn't see that there was any consequences so maybe God's not watching as carefully as everybody tells me and so what happens is that the third time is even easier than the second time and the fourth time is even easier than the it gets increasingly easier to sin because our heart our hearts are hardened and when our hearts are hardened, trust me, the people around us know. People around us know. And the reality is, the reality is, the Bible tells us in, in, uh, in, the, in the book of Numbers, our sin will find us out. Our sin will find us out. There is no Sabbath from obedience. God has given us a moral structure within which to live. But you know what there is within that moral structure? Grace! Grace! Thank God for grace. Yes, we are going to fall short. All fall short. We find ourselves outside of this moral structure and we fall and we stand up because a righteous person stands up, falls seven times and stands up again. You come back into the house. That's the grace that God gives to us, to come back into the house. He doesn't give us the grace to dwell outside of his will, to dwell outside of, 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 the, of the, the moral framework that he's given to us. There's no rest from our calling. But as we exercise faithful obedience, we enter into his rest. Jesus said it. He said, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And what rest is given to us is that internal sense of peace and contentment, knowing that the, even though the world around me is going crazy, it is well with my soul because I am in a right relationship with God, thanks to God, not to me. But that's where I find my rest. And that rest is mine through 
my obedience. The obedience doesn't grant me salvation. I'm not earning my salvation. But God is not opposed to effort. We are told to work out our salvation. And the working out of salvation is by being obedient to our calling. Being obedient to our calling. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, that judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Why is that there? We need God's word. We need God's word. And you know why we need God's word? Because it is an external moral authority in our lives. It's a mirror. And why do you look in the mirror? We've talked about this before. You get up in the morning or, or uh, you know, after dinner or whatnot, you, know, you, you, you go to the bathroom and you check yourself out in the mirror. Why do you check yourself out in the mirror? Well, you want to make sure that you don't got spinach scot in your teeth. You want to make sure your hair is perfectly coiffed, your tie is straight. You know, all that kind of stuff. Because the mirror shows you exactly what's wrong. The Word of God keeps us honest, people. The Word of God keeps us honest. I don't know about you, but I know my own heart. Again, with a G.K. Chesterton, somebody wrote this article on what was all wrong with humanity. And, he, and it was published in the paper, and he wrote back, Dear sir, I know exactly what's wrong with humanity. Me. Me. We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves that it doesn't matter. We tell ourselves that, oh, God is gracious and he's going to forgive me, so I, I don't need to do this. I can do it my own way. Frank Sinatra, I did it. Was it Frank Sinatra who said, saying, I did it my way? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and we, that is a theme for humanity. We want, to do our, we want to do it our way. We want to separate ourselves from the word of God, and we cannot. Because it is the word of God that keeps us honest. It is the word of God that shows us a reflection of ourselves. Telling us that the work of restoration is ongoing. Redemption is complete, but restoration is ongoing. And it is as we labor in our calling that we enter into God's rest. And when we find ourselves falling, failing, we ask for forgiveness and get back inside that house. Today. It's about today, people. It's about today. Our faith is based in history, in who Jesus is, and what he has done. Our hope is in the future when he shall return and right every wrong. But faith and hope collide in the moment, in the present, where we love as we have been loved, where we respond today through obedience to our calling to honor God in all we do. And as a bonus, we get one day in seven to play. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Oh, I'm glad to see you all standing. <laughs> Let us stand together on the promises of God because the promises of God are where we're going to find rest.
And that's rest here and now in the midst of all the challenges, in the midst of all the trials, in the midst of all the craziness. As the more things seem to be falling apart around us, the more important it is for God's people to stand on His Word and enter into that rest because that's the hope that the world needs now more than ever. And if they can't see it in God's people, where are they going to see it? So let's covenant together to recognize our call and our calling as we rest and as we rest in the promises and the faithfulness of God. We gather to worship. We go forth to serve. And as we go forth, we bless each other with the blessing of Aaron.